Good morning, I'm Earl Stewart. I welcome you to Earl Stewart on Cars, a live talk show all about how to buy, lease, maintain, or repair your car without being ripped off by a car dealer. With me in the studio is Nancy Stewart, my wife, co-host, and a strong consumer advocate, especially for our female listeners. We also have Rick Kearney, an expert on how to keep your car running right. I dare you to ask a question that Rick can't answer about the mechanics or electronics of your car. Also with us is my son, Stu Stewart, our link to cyber space through Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Periscope. Stu is also the Spymaster Director of our Mystery Shopping Report. He dispatches our secret shopper weekly to an unsuspecting South Florida dealership. And now, on with the show. Good morning, everybody. Your auto experts on how not to get ripped off by a car dealer, live, in color, right here. And uh, we uh, are so happy to be back with you. All you regulars, I know you're tired of a lot of this, the uh, recorded intro, and uh, my kind of semi-recorded uh, follow-up to the intro, but hopefully we have a lot of new folks out there. I've been trying to get the ratings on our show for a while, but have been failing. We'll keep on asking the owner of the station if he can get us some ratings, and uh, I think we're doing pretty good because wall-to-wall phone calls, knock on wood, your phone calls is uh, the heartbeat of our show, and I don't say that just to flatter you, uh, we have some uh, brilliant callers around the country and the world. I always have to say I love the fact that we've actually had a call from Bali. And uh, it's just kind of cool. I mean, I, we like being international. So before I even uh, take my second breath, I'm going to give you that call-in number. It's so important. If you haven't called the show, we appreciate your considering it. And that number is 877 877- 960-9960-877-960-9960. We will prioritize those phone calls because phone calls are personal. And we hear you and you hear us and the world hears you. And it's just kind of a cool thing to be able to have an old-fashioned telephone conversation dialogue. Now, with that said, we have a huge amount of communication digitally. We are in that digital age, right? We have text, we have Facebook, we have Twitter. I think maybe Periscope uh, left. Bye-bye, Periscope. You know, the, the strong will survive, the weak will perish. But uh, the digital world is very real, and uh, we recognize and appreciate it. Plus the fact we're streaming live, and you can see my beautiful face. And we do have one beautiful face, that's Nancy Stewart. She's uh, my co-host here. She's sitting to my left right now. So you can see us all. Rick Kearney, don't look at him. Uh, my son's still, ah, you know. Anyway, we're here in all forms and media around the world, and your input. Text, I keep an archive during the show, two hours. We're on until 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you have a question and you know uh, you haven't got time to chit-chat, just shoot the question in, and then you can go back, and you can go to our archives for the show. And hear the answer to your text questions. We get to our text questions before the end of the show. I mean, we got a lot of time, so it's a, it's a, it's a continuity we got going here with answering your questions. One way or other, if you have a question and you hear the sound of my voice now, we'll answer it. Ooh, I almost forgot. Anonymousfeedback.com I always wonder why more and more people don't jump on that bandwagon. Companies, uh, well, the police do, you know, they have an anonymous feedback. Uh, it's just a great thing to do. I, I know some people say, hey, if you're going to complain, uh, you know, you've got to have the nerve to uh, be identified and be heard. Well, 
I think that's nonsense. Sometimes you just don't want the aggravation. Uh, you have a complaint. You have a candid comment that you just don't. Maybe you don't want to hurt our feelings. Or maybe you want to say something nasty. That's okay, too. We're not going to read profanity or vulgarity, but we'll get the gist of your message across. Anonymousfeedback.com, just like I'm your anonymousfeedback.com. Y-O-U-R-A-N-O-N-Y-M-O-U-S, feedback.com. Love to hear from you in that venue as well. Uh, experiences that you've had out there with car dealers. And I can't fail to mention that it isn't all about buying or leasing a car. Uh, it's also about maintaining and repairing a car. And I've got Rick Kearney, uh, uh, tech guy, super support. Matter of fact, I was asking Rick before the show started a question about pairing Bluetooth and uh, a customer's car with uh, with the Bluetooth, the Apple Play in the car. I mean, Apple Play is a big thing now, and uh, Bluetooth is a big thing, and people use it, uh, depend on it. I had a customer call me, I'm a car dealer, in total transparency and disclosure, and uh, the customer called me because he was having trouble pairing his brand new iPhone uh, through Bluetooth with the Apple Play in his car. And uh, there's a problem that we've got to fix. Problems like that you have to fix, and you might be getting the runaround. Sometimes the dealerships don't understand it, and sometimes Apple, well, I won't say that. Apple, pretty they're pretty good. If, if it's an Apple problem, you can pretty well rely on Apple to get it fixed, but sometimes the car dealers don't do the right thing. They don't have the people trained properly, and the people that talk to you are not fully versed. That's the high price we pay for high tech. Uh, technology is moving at such a rapid pace, well, I said pace is what I'm trying to say. Um, we're moving so quickly forward in technology that having people that know how to fix things is uh, a scarcity. It's, uh, it's uh, low supply, high demand. So you can get some of your answers from Rick Kearney. He's the best I know, and I've been a car dealer for over half a century. I've seen a lot of technicians, and this guy is the best of the best. So anything you have, ask Rick. And if Rick fails, we have Colonel Google that we can rely upon, and we have other sources. We'll get your answer, we promise you. Now, uh, let's get into the show, and I want to introduce Nancy Stewart, who is my co-host, co-founder of the show, going way, way back, uh, two decades. Uh, started out on this uh, on a different radio station, uh, same location, but different ownership, uh, half hour, long time ago. Now here we are, uh, two hours. Uh, Nancy Stewart is uh, the accolade I always give her is the fact that she's built our female audience. So important. Uh, there's so many things that are happening now with the female uh, kind of figuring out things are having. We, we haven't been treated exactly equal. And uh, Nancy is trying to rally the female troops. And we've got uh, almost equal number of callers now. She has a very special offer to encourage you ladies out there. If you haven't called the show before, to please consider calling the show. Nancy, please tell them about the offer that we have. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. You are an important part of the show, so you give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. Join the fun. Join the education. 877-960-9960. And as Earl said, ladies... $50 for the first two new lady callers. We would love for you to share your car purchasing, servicing experience, 
anything at all you'd like to speak about. 877-960-9960. And we are going to hit the floor running Ooh. with Valerie, who is a first-time caller. I am. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning. How are you? Great. Welcome. You just Thank won you so yourself much. $50. I know. How fantastic is that? <laughs> <laughs> what? How can we help you? Well, um, I just went through um, some issues with a car. I had a two. I have a 2007 Kia with 151,000 miles, um, and I draw. I travel from Loxahatchee to Deerfield for work. So, as you can imagine, I do need my car, and um, it broke down. So I brought it to a mechanic who said that it needs some pedal assemble. So I went through all that, and it was going to be about 1200 to fix the car. Mm. So I figured, you know, that's not even worth it, so let me go get a new car. Well, credit not being that great and, you know, not much of a down payment, I went to off-lease only, which was, by the way, a terrible experience. I don't recommend it, but maybe I shouldn't say that, but it was bad experience no, for me. No, so tell it like it I is, Valerie. To- we like being candid. Yes. I appreciate the comment. That's, a, that's acceptable. It was a terrible experience for me. They kept selling cars out from under me and with my down payment and saying I had it and then I didn't. And I, had ne- I needed a car right away because my job was kind enough to let me work from home for two and a half weeks, but they were kind of tired. They needed me in the office, so I was getting down to the wire. And so then I, you know, they, the last time they did it, it was about four times. They said, oh, we have a car, the down payment, this is it, this is it. And then they called me and said, oh, we hate to tell you this, but it, the car was sold. So I got very fed up, and I went to drive time. Well, recommend them highly. I did it right over the phone with Greg, who was fantastic there, and I got myself a little Chevy Spark 17 with 40,000 miles. So I'm perfectly fine, and it's a good payment, and I'm good now. But... I have that other car in the shop, and I need to sell it, which is a problem because it's not really running. So well, that's my uh, question. That's, that's, yeah. a, that's a great question. I, uh, yeah. Uh, your timing couldn't be better if you have to sell a car today to stay the time to sell a used car. Very high demand for virtually all used cars. And um, right. I, I think uh, the car will not run. Am I understanding you correctly that it will it, it's just stopped on you, and it's at the dealership? Well, it's at the mechanic. It'll okay. run, but it, it'll stall out. It needs a pedal assembly or something, which is a very expensive part. So, you know, I've called around to some of these cash by car by cash and uh, all those places, and a lot of them will take it. So I'm trying to work with that to see if they'll just come mm-hmm. pick it up. But uh, in turn, the mechanic also wants $160 from me because they said they put a part in, which I never authorized also, which is a little annoying. But sure. they're not charging me for storage, so I guess I should be thankful for that. Well, I, I, think, you, I think you might be surprised at what your car might be worth just as it sits. And uh, Stu will remember cash for clunkers Very well. uh, going back. And used car prices weren't nearly as high back then as they are cash now. I beg your pardon? Well, that was a a government program, Valerie, that uh, uh, many years ago, and uh, and it it gave us an understanding of what cars are that are really something that we you wouldn't normally retail wholesale cars. So, uh, by carefully shopping that car, even if it won't run, uh, you will get you'll get a better price than you ever would. But before I did that, I'm going to let Rick. get in here and uh, answer a few questions for Rick about how your car stopped and what they told you and 
and then let's see if we can possibly suggest some things you might do to get it running again. Because if you can get it running, then you can get a whole lot more money for the car. And so, yeah, Rick, what do you think? That. Okay, thank you. Well, my, my first thought is, if you when you took your car to that mechanic, if you signed any paperwork, whatever okay. amount was authorized on that on that paperwork that is the only thing they're allowed to charge you if they put any parts in without your authorization signature or over the phone some way of authorizing they are not allowed to charge you that uh, within 10 percent yeah to be honest rick so if if when you took it in if you sign anything that says okay you're going to approve a, a diagnostic fee of like a hundred dollars they can they can charge you that amount yeah and up to 10% over it, no. but anything else, they can't charge you well, for Well, let's it. talk about you getting a car running. Uh, okay? um, without knowing for sure what's wrong with it, uh, the only thing I could really suggest on that would be um, maybe have a have it towed to another mechanic for a second opinion, or um, if one of those car places wants to send a tow truck to get it, you know, any, any shop obviously should allow them to tow it out. But if they try to charge you anything more than what you signed for, that's that's illegal. But where, where, where is the car, Valerie? It's at uh, Tech One in Boca. Okay, yeah, I I, I would uh, I, you, you should always try to get a second opinion, and uh, yeah. if you can get the car running, it's probably going to be worth another thousand dollars. So. Uh, it's important that you uh, try to get a second opinion. The towing charge is something you might not want to do. I'll tell you what, let's, let's, let's do this. Uh, if you don't mind, uh, we've got your contact information, or we should, because we're getting you, going to send you 50 bucks being a first-time caller. Uh, right. w with your permission, uh, we'll have Rick uh, try to contact the, uh, uh, the mechanic that worked on your car and talk to him. Okay. And uh, Rick is giving me a funny look now, but... Too bad, Rick. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we'll try to help you out that way because uh, if we can okay. get the car running, it'd be worth more. But if we, if you have to get bids on it from a, a, a person that would just scrap the car for parts, uh, you might yeah. be pleasantly surprised. And again, thanks so much for being a first-time caller. Valerie, oh, you're I want to so commend you on that uh, Kia and also remind you, as Earl said, what a great time for you to sell the Kia. You are going yeah. to get more than you think. Absolutely. I hope so. so getting that up and running will be uh well financially a, a great thing to do. So thank yeah, you for I calling. Hope. Thank you. Have a nice day. Have you a too, great though. weekend. Thank you. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Or you can text us at seven seven two. Four nine seven six five three zero. Now back to the recovering car dealer. I want to say something about off-lease only. By the way, uh, Valerie had a bad experience, and uh, and I encouraged her to say so. I mean, this is uh, what we do on this show. We tell it like it is. Uh, with that said, I have to say that off-lease only has a, a recommended rating on our shopping reports, our mystery shopping reports. Uh, in fact, I know one of the uh, one of the owners, uh, the founder actually of. Uh, off-lease only, and he's a pretty good guy. Um, they have several locations. Every dealership, including uh, my dealership, uh, you can have a bad experience. Uh, my dealership has 160 employees, and you might get one. You know, there's a rotten apple in every barrel. There's a rotten apple in every car dealership. So when you have a bad experience with a business, period, 
It might not be the uh, rotten to the core kind of a business. It might be an okay or a good one or a great one, but sometimes you have bad experiences. Uh, Off-lease only has great prices. It's a kind of a Walmart of car dealerships. Uh, there's no frills. Uh, you go in there and you get a car as is, and sometimes these cars are not as good as other cars. You have an opportunity to get it checked by a mechanic, and you always should. And buying any used car, you should have a check by a mechanic before you buy it. You should check a Carfax report before you buy it. You should road test it carefully. And if you do all those things, you can get a good, a good value at off-lease only. You have to be careful. And if you get a bad salesman who's being rude or isn't knowledgeable, then get another one. Go to a manager. And this can happen at a lot of businesses. The individual that you deal with represents the company, but sometimes the company doesn't know what's going on, and you have to tell them. So you take it up the ladder to the supervisor, the general manager, or the owner. So just wanted to clear that up. And um, Okay. We're going to go back to the phones. Okay. Looks like a very busy morning. Great. Uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, youranonymousfeedback.com. We're going to go to John, who's calling us from Bakersfield, California. Wow. Welcome, John. Hey, good morning. Good, good morning. morning. <laughs> what can we uh, do for you? I have, I have a question. I have a, a 2018 Toyota RAV4 XLE. And it don't have no transmission dipstick. Um, it's got about 60,000 miles on it. I was just wondering, it, and well, I bought it used. Anyways, um, I was wondering, are we supposed to ser service uh, the transmission on that after so many miles? Nope. Have it no? as, as per Toyota, that transmission has what's called WS fluid. It's a lifetime fluid, and the transmission requires no maintenance service at all for the lifetime of the vehicle. That is crazy. That is Toyota. <laughs> no, that's that's reality, uh, John. That's the way all cars are now. All the all the cars are requiring less and less maintenance, and and when they try to sell you a transmission flush, that's uh, money for the car dealer, or the mechanic. Not it's not recommended by the manufacturer. It's not okay. All right, so I mean, as long as you don't see no ever see no fluids leaking or anything, you really don't have to worry about uh, 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 the level of the tranny fluid. It, it's okay. Got to worry about oil. Yep. Oh, you're yeah. exactly correct. Yeah. You have to change your oil, and uh, that's about the only fluid that you have to change. Although later, later, if you keep a car long enough, sooner or later, you might get involved in. Uh, the coolant is recommended to be changed at 150,000 miles and every 50,000 after that. Is there any danger of having a missing dipstick that caused problems down the down the road? Well, no, it's not missing. It's just not there. There's no Oh, there, there is, is no one. Dipstick. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that was there for something, you know, unforeseen contingencies or something. Nope. All right. There you go. <clears throat> All right. One more time about the – now, what did you say about the 150,000 miles? Uh, that's the engine coolant. That's meant to yeah. be changed okay. at 150,000 and every 50,000 miles after that. Wow, okay. And then, uh, yeah, so, it, I mean, I, I changed it. I, I use uh, synthetic oil and, and also have that changed every 5,000. So I guess uh, that's, that's good. So I bought it about a year ago. I, I really like the cars. 
in a decent car, and so I was just wondering about the tranny, you know. Thank you're all good. Thank you, John. I appreciate the call. What time is it in Bakersfield? Early. It's, uh, about <laughs> 5.24. Well, you're an early riser. Well, thank you very much for calling the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank, thank you, John. Always up early. Have a all great right, weekend. Thank you. For you, guys. Yes, you guys have a good one. Okay, ladies, I have to remind you, I have uh, to remind Lou and Deanna to please give me a call uh, right now on the show. I'm still holding on to that $50 that the two of you won. I received an email, but uh, I do need some contact information. And uh, to the, uh, I I have $50 for one more new lady caller this morning. So please join us and win a little cash. www.youranonymousfeedback.com and 877-960-9960. And you can also text us at 772-497-6530. Now back to the recovering car dealer. I have to be careful that someone just doesn't say, my name is Sheila, please send me $50. Here's my contact information. My, my name is Sheila. Okay. No, I, I think we need to get into some text. If we have any uh, YouTubes or text, let's get started. Yeah, let's kick it off with uh, Anne Marie. It was waiting for us when we got here. She has great questions. Anne Marie says, good morning. I realize that not everything on the internet is accurate, so I'm hoping you can enlighten me. I read a comment on the internet that said, technically Teslas don't have engines. This prompts me to ask, one, what is the difference between a motor and an engine? Two, what do Teslas have? Thanks. P.S. By the way, Jason Torchinsky is currently writing a three-part history of electric cars on jalopnik.com. So if you're interested in following that sort of thing, check it out. Cool. Um, I had to Google this when I saw her text. So. Well, can I have a can oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. This will be entertaining. I'll see if I'm right. Uh, no, a motor is the definition. That's what an electric motor. And somehow the gravi- people begin using the word motor to describe an engine. But an engine is like a combustion engine, an engine as you know it. And an electric, there's no such thing as electric engine. It's a motor, an right. electric motor. So I did Google it, and you're pretty much right on the money. They're used interchangeably um, in modern English. So you can call, refer to a motor in a car, uh, internal combustion engine car. But generally, in common usage, uh, you don't call an electric motor an engine, even though technically you could. It just would sound weird. So, yeah, Teslas have um, motors. Sometimes they have one. There's a dual-motor Tesla. Uh, they're working on the newest one. I think yours is a three-motor Tesla. And, oh, boy. And Elon uh, <laughs> declined to do a four-motor uh, Tesla because it would have been uh, inc- impossible to handle. <laughs> it would just The wheels would just burn down to and melt, I guess, if you did that. Um, but, yeah, I looked it up, so you can use it. Interestingly, way back in the past, they come from very different sources, of the, the word source. So if you're a geek like me, you might want to Google it yourself. <laughs> okay. Um, can, can I just say, Anne-Marie, you never cease to amaze me. Yeah. The questions you ask are just cool. I mean... I mean, I, you know, I'm, a, I'm a veteran car dealer, and I've been doing this most of my life, and the questions that you ask actually get me stimulated. So you, you know, you're an integral part of the show. Thank you very much. Yes, okay. thank you very much, Anne-Marie. And ladies and gentlemen, where else can you go for this information, such detail, Stu? A book of knowledge. <laughs> Give us a call, 877-960-9960. 
Yeah, actually, Amory takes a lot of pressure off, but I feel like we're putting pressure on Amory. So, you know, if you wake up <laughs> one Saturday morning, you're just not feeling it. Don't, don't. We're not going to get upset. At you you got to take a day off. Yeah, you I'm can. coming yeah. looking for you, Amory. No, no. But it does make me feel better because we we need. You know, it's not, you were sitting up here. We're we're naked. We're we're on live radio, and yeah. if we don't have content to put out there, and Amory always gives us. We used to be naked, but that's when we started and streaming. And la- ladies started. and gentlemen, let me say, where else can you go for all these adjectives? Naked, stimulating, right. metaphorically Ooh. naked, of course. Our show is on. <laughs> fire. And again, I can't be sure what Rick's wearing because I get here, he's behind the desk and I leave, so he might be wearing he boxers. He has no pants on. <laughs> right. We don't know. Well, I think Rick has his big boy pants on. Yeah. I have bad news for Rick, by the way. Ooh. I think one of his uh, YouTubers um, ha- have defected over to the text line, so I have a text from Negan. <laughs> so I'm um, stepping on your thunder there. But uh, Negan, um, actually Jonathan can put up a visual aid uh, for Negan's text. He says, good morning, everybody. Negan here. And he capitalized it because I think he wants me to pronounce it the proper way, Negan. Um, last Saturday, I was having my oil changed on my Ford Raptor at a dealership I bought the truck from in Peoria Ford in Arizona. Hmm. I usually do my own oil changes, but this is my last free one I got with the purchase of the truck. As I was wandering around the parts department, I noticed the sign that they take anything on trade. You can see by the list, it's quite extensive. and never thought about the items that could be traded in before. Do all dealerships do this, Earl? What is the craziest thing that you took in on trade? Just I thought I would share. And before you tell us, before you tell us, <laughs> let me read you. And Jonathan has it on the screen right now. So uh, here's the sign. It says this is what they accept as a down payment and trade. Guns, all styles. Antiques, collectibles, small or large. Art, painting, sculptures. Motor vehicles, motorcycles, dirt bikes, fort wheelers, ATVs, side-by-sides, large utility vehicles, cars, trucks, golf carts, tractors, UTVs, boats, jet skis, kayaks, pontoons, hydro flights, jet board trailers, toy haulers, airstream trailers, RVs, pop-up camper. They also take gold, silver, coins, jewelry, tools of all kinds, electronics, TV, laptops, computers, tablets, smartphones, etc., furniture, all How kinds. How much longer does this go it, on? It ends in a second. Property, <laughs> in or out of state, racehorses, and money. 401k and pay advance from work. Doesn't look like a joke, but maybe it is. I'm sorry, folks, we're out of time. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Earl on Cars. We'll be back next week. Anyway, so you have stories. Yes, uh, and I think we probably pretty much do take anything on trade still. But Yeah, I, uh, when I first started on the business, I mean, I was just fresh uh, out of uh, Westinghouse, actually. Me I was high to a grasshopper. I was an electronics engineer, and that my first job other than that. Uh, out of school and, and when I became a car dealer. Anyway, a, a guy from uh, Bell Glade that had a cattle ranch, I think in, the, in that area, maybe it was Clewiston, and um, he asked me if uh, we would take some cows on trade for a, a car. And I said, of course. Who appraised the cows? Uh, well, I, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because everybody, I was working for my father then, and uh, and then, oh, uh, go ahead, blame and, him. And, of course, I think his words were, are you crazy? And I said, well, Dad, I'm, we're not going uh, to keep the cows. We're not going to put them on the used cow lot or the used car lot. I said, we'll find a buyer. And so that's the way <laughs> all this sla- goes. You could use them for we've slam taken, dinners. We've taken diamond rings. Uh, we've taken, uh, you know, you, you, when you stop and think about it, you'll take anything of value. Machete? It, but you lay it off. Uh, you know, here's something in, uh, Sue can remember. When Bitcoin firstly came out and nobody knew what Bitcoin was, who was the first person to say, we'll accept Bitcoin for that? Was That's Uh-oh. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Elon Musk finally did it for Tesla. You know, uh, how many years later has that been? But we were taking Bitcoin 
10 years ago? When did Bitcoin yeah. come out? I can't remember. Within less than a year after we, anybody ever heard of it. Yeah. yeah it was like yeah. it first made the news and we jumped on it and yeah. figured it out. So it's, 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 it's an interesting, funny thing. Of course, if you are going to trade a cow uh, or you are going to trade a horse, get three bids. you want to get three bids. <laughs> right. Preferably one of them. From That's a, what from the dealer's going to do. Go to a rancher. The dealer's going to get three that. bids. Right. I mean, yeah. you know. Uh, you can't keep the cow. He's not going to do that. You can't afford the hay and the maintenance. So you uh, but exactly brain let's, fed. Let's, <laughs> brain fed exactly. Brain let's move fed. along here. Yeah, the weirdest thing I ever took on trade was a boat, which isn't weird. <laughs> a but boat? Yeah. Yeah, we just called boat dealers and got a yeah. buy figure on it, and we placed it somewhere, and that's how yeah. we did it. I had a rule against motorcycles because we, when we traded in motorcycles, when I was early in the business, we had a lot of crazy salesmen. And they would get on a motorcycle, and they would kill themselves. And I was losing salesmen on the motorcycles we traded. So we, I had a rule that that's, we would that's, not. That's horrible. That, well, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I was afraid that my salespeople would be injured. Uh, we lost six of them that summer <laughs> until Earl so changed the policy. So I had a rule we will not take uh, motorcycles on trade. But we did no, we, accept we them, and we, we, will, but we, then we laid them off right away. Yeah, too. we just let our people drive it. Exactly. We'll call Harley Davidson and get us a You know, I, I'm looking at Jonathan, and I see tears running down his <laughs> down his cheeks. <laughs> we have entertained him. <laughs> and by the way, he's stressed. <laughs> so you can hear all these stories soon and uh, recovering car dealer part two and uh if right. Stu would ever help me with <laughs> no, that. the ghost rider ghost rider doesn't work like like that okay we'll talk about it um here's another text there it says have you guys heard about the tesla quote unquote recall in china what do you think of that i had not oh. heard of it oh. i had to google it i haven't heard of it but I, I do know one thing interesting about china and tesla and that is the fact that the Chinese like Teslas yeah. and that we have a, a really uh, a very uh, edgy situation with China now. And uh, in fact, uh, the previous president and the current president are both at odds with China. Uh, and this whole thing with the COVID has raised some issues. And, uh, and the trade and the, uh, and, the, and the import duties. And so it's just a tenuous situation. But for some reason, the Chinese love their good cars and, they're, and they love Teslas, and uh, <clears throat> there's a great relationship. And so the future for Tesla in China is quite good. Well, the opportunity for any, that's a, the world's biggest market. Yeah. But I did look it up, and um, there is a 300,000 car recall, Model Y and Model 3 in China, yeah. or, uh, or Model X, and I, it's, it's not really a recall because you don't have to bring the car in because it's done over the air with a software update. Which yeah. is a little glimpse into the yeah, future. No big deal. So, something yeah. else that you didn't probably didn't know, or maybe you did. Um, they manufacture Tesla manufacturers Teslas in China in Shanghai. Oh, yeah. uh, this year's so they've made thirty four thousand so far. So that's going to be a, a manufacturing center for yeah. them. Yeah, the, the, they love it because of the quality. And the Chinese build cars, electric cars too. But uh, everybody knows the Tesla is uh, far superior. And so, you know, China's not stupid. They, uh, you know, probably uh, what's his name, Chi? Chi. He probably drives a Tesla. She. Rick is uh, waving at me. I was just going to say, I've heard, uh, saw on several sites that China is really trying to get several of their electric cars over into the U.S. imported in to try yeah. selling them here. So yeah. they could uh, they could possibly become a force in the electric car that's market. Be, that's because they don't like their electric cars. They want Teslas, yeah. and they're going to export them, their cars to the U.S. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get them out of here. <laughs> Send it to the Yankees. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you have already tuned in. If you haven't, give us a, a look. And we have Facebook, we have YouTube, we have it all. 877 960 
and also remember with the microchip shortage i'll tell you what if you've got a used car get rid of it now now back to Stu. let's see rick do you have any messages coming in over there i've got one uh, right. guy larabee's asking why are manufacturers hell-bent on taking all the joy out of driving i enjoy driving and have been driving safely for over 50 years and I hate all these installed safety aids that you can't turn off. Uh. Guy, that's what my grandfather told me about the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, you know, there's nothing like being out on the plains and just cantering along, walk, trot, canter. And, uh, you know, horses are, are the way to go. Well, you do what, that well. what are these? What are these horseless buggies we see around? Oh, so that's what we are, guy. We're uh, we're dinosaurs, and I love driving a yeah. car too. That's the reason I bought a Tesla Plaid, because I love I love cars. And uh, but uh, they're they're a you know they, yeah. tell, tell us about your horse experience. Autonomous cars. Are, tell us about your riding. Your horse experience. Yeah, I don't like horses. No, you were on the horse. <laughs> well, a horse fell you on fell me. Off the, oh, the, oh, the horse and he fell on me. He you. also stepped on my foot. <laughs> anyway, I digress. Let's yeah. move along here. Yeah, I, I, I think what guys maybe he's is he talking about like traction control? Like you can't burn your tires anymore. You yeah. can't really just yeah. like. No, I know exactly yeah. what he's talking about. Four on the floor, yeah. uh, twin two, uh, four barrel carburetors, three two barrels, yeah. uh, you know, positive traction, yeah. uh, zero to uh, zero to. Uh, Zero to sixty in five point nine yeah. seconds. Hey, my Tesla will go zero to sixty in under two seconds. One point nine nine, I think. One point <laughs> so, nine seconds. So I'm say, but guy, if you're driving, if you've been driving for fifty years, you, you, you're probably past the stage in life where you should be burning your tires, don't you think? Yeah, well, I'm just teasing you. Yeah. <laughs> when they pry my cold, dead fingers off my steering wheel, <laughs> is when they'll take my car. Off my ship, no. <laughs> and I've got a note from Donovan here that says Tesla's also opening a factory in Austin, Texas. And Berlin, June, uh, yeah, Berlin, Germany, by the end of the year. Yeah. Is that coffee he's drinking over here? <laughs> That's rum. Malibu rum and coffee. Yes. He's a rum boy. It's very tasty. All right. Uh, oh, this is, we, we talked about this yesterday with some Toyota executives. Um, what will the, this is a text, this is, what will the maintenance be on all electric cars? There's no oil to change or transmissions to service. How will this affect car dealers? Very insightful question. Oh, okay. You <laughs> yeah, had, I'll you, answer. You had lunch. Yeah, we, were, yeah, we had we had lunch with um, some some Toyota don't, executives. Don't name any names. No, no names. And uh, we were talking about everything. Just and the first question Earl asked of a um, very highly placed executive and said, "What is the future of the car business?" That's that was. He just asked him. You want to hear what he had to say? And we got on a long discussion about electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles and all that. And one of them was this question about maintenance. And the question, the answer is, uh, eventually there's not going to be very much maintenance at all to do. Um, it was interesting to hear their perspective because we always think about the time in five years or ten years when most of the cars or what percentage of cars will be electric. Um, there will still be a lot of internal combustion engines on the car on the road for many years, so it will eventually decay. But yeah, there's no uh, oil to change. There's no service tires. Eventually, we're going to look at uh, forever tires or permanent tires. So, who knows what's going to happen? It's going to be like a cell phone. How often do you service your iPhone? You know, it's got more moving parts, so there will be something, but not very much. And since you bring up that lunch, here's something that uh, very interesting: uh, the auto auto manufacturers of the world are in denial. Uh, I don't think they're really in denial. They're afraid to face the fact that the 
car dealer network that we the worldwide network through which cars are sold is a dinosaur soon to be replaced um, uh, whatever vehicle we drive autonomous electric or whatever it is will and <clears throat> for sure in 20 years I'll be conservative will be sold directly by the manufacturers and the manufacturers it'll be like buying an iPhone from Apple you'll buy uh, an autonomous car or an all-electric car or whatever it may be directly from uh, Tesla or Toyota or Volkswagen and uh, the, the dealer network as we know it today will disappear so uh, the dealers are in denial for a lot of reasons first of all it's a long-run I- issue it's not going to happen tomorrow uh, uh, our dealership will be around for you know another probably 10 or 15 or 20 years uh, maybe more. I, you don't know. You're just saying approximately. But the way they are distributed will be different. But the manufacturers have to be careful. They, the, the manufacturers, and this is what came out at lunch, uh, we support the dealer network 100%. Well, they have to say that because that's their lifeblood, and that's the way their cars are being distributed. You can't get on, the, you can't get on national television and say, uh, and you're the you're, you're you're Mary Barra, and you're the president of General Motors, and say, I got some bad bad news for General Motors dealers. Uh, we don't we're not going to need you pretty soon. <laughs> Suddenly, their dealerships are worth nothing, and uh, everybody would be bailing out and trying to get rid of their dealerships. But uh, dealers are nervous. I mean, the smart dealers are nervous about how cars will be distributed, and it's going to be the worlds are changing, folks. Technolo- technologically, uh, retail-wise, distribution-wise, it's, uh, it's going to be a wild ride. A wild, wild ride. Um, Earl, speaking of denial, these dealers, what a financial disaster for you to ignore the female buyer. It definitely is a disaster. And speaking of that, I do have $50 for one more new lady caller. So give us a call toll-free at 877-960-9960. We are going to be speaking again to Steve, and he's calling us from Jersey. Oh, hi, Steve. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Good morning. I'm, Welcome. I'm uh, calling to follow up. Hi, hi, Nancy. Actually, I'm calling to follow up on uh, a discussion that you had last week um, about female safety in cars. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to uh, mention that eventually I bought a new car last year, and it I um, basically was looking between a Mercedes and a Volvo, and in my research of the Mercedes, what I found out was that the front seats are designed for people who are five feet taller or above, uh-huh. and my wife is only four foot ten, and I called up Mercedes corporate. And they told me that, well, technically, if uh, if you wanted your wife to ride safely in our car, and this is an E-Class car, that um, she should have use a booster, a child's booster seat. Oh, no. What? <laughs> because basically the front seat is designed for a person five feet or higher. And that's not only the seat, but then that's also the airbag and everything else. Oh, hmm. my goodness. Well, that's, so uh, they, they, they don't advertise that, do they? No, it's in it's, but it's in the owner's manual. See, and everybody can read. If you're looking for a new car, you can go to the manufacturer's site, look at the owner's manual for that car, and read through it. And I did. I mean, oh. these owner's manuals are four or five hundred pages, but I did. Like reading the fine print. The Vol- oh yeah, and the Volvo car that I bought, um, 
Volvo designs their front seats for passengers that are four foot eight or above. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Thank you so much for the that information, Steve. The reason I bring this up is because, Nancy, you talked about yeah. how in the uh, test crash whatnot, uh, where the, the test crash dummies, they don't really use um, female test, dash, yeah. test crash dummies. Right, right. But this and, goes beyond that because actually, I mean, I have a Volvo now, but the point is that at least right, one right. manufacturer recognizes that um, people that are, are shorter in stature are going to be sitting in their front seat of their car and, and design it accordingly. What interesting information. Thank you, Steve. Yeah, yeah, they, I, I'd mention that. It, it, thank you do, so much. You know how many people it. we have spoken to, callers, uh, anyone at all that has gone through that owner's manual? Uh, congratulations on that alone. Uh, but bringing uh, this subject to the audience that's listening, uh, it's, it's just um, startling that it was only recently that they started, you know, paying attention to that passenger seat or even the driver's seat. And if you are, uh, I'm only five foot three, and um, it is something to take into consideration, and it can be a danger. Well, one of the things is, uh, well, like I said, we have the IIHS safety test and whatnot, um, but a lot of a lot of the car manufacturers. Um, design their cars so that they can pass these tests. They don't go beyond that. And they oftentimes don't redesign their cars until they have to react to poor uh, test results. Um, again, that's one of the reasons why I bought my car. But uh, the other thing, though, is while I'm comfortable with uh, my, my car, with the seat designed for my wife, because most of the time she's in the passenger seat anyway. The other issue, though, is with shorter-statured people is on the driver's side. Uh, even uh, because they have to sit so close to the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are relatively few cars where the, um, the brake uh, and the gas pedal can be moved mechanically closer to the driver. Instead, almost all cars, the seat has to be pushed closer to all of that, which therefore means you're closer to the airbag and the steering column. So there's a long way to go before I think uh, cars are going to be designed more safely for uh, small, shorter stature people. Sure. And this is really something that really should be looked at. But Absolutely. All we can do is keep on talking about it and hope for the best. Absolutely. A car should be designed for any human being to be safe, whether it's a child uh, you know, with a, a baby uh, all the way up to a large person. And uh, uh, you just have to, and if you don't, and if you want to design a car that doesn't do that, you should make it clear. You don't put it in the fine print somewhere. Your lawyers say, hey, do this. And uh, remember, lawyers invented fine print. So when you have something you don't want anyone to know about, you put it in the owner's manual, 350 pages in fine print. And uh, if you want to, if, if, if you want to build a car, that isn't uh, safe for women or small people, then you, you should say so. And uh, it should be fully disclosed uh, so that anyone knows that before they buy the car. Uh, you're gonna buy a Volvo because you have the intelligence and the 
and you happen to have a wife that uh, was unsafe in the Mercedes, and you did your due diligence. How many people do that? How many people buy uh, the Mercedes instead of the Volvo because they didn't know? And the answer is 99.9% of the people didn't know what you just did, what you just disclosed. So thank you very much, Steve. I appreciate that. Very, very interesting topic. Uh, you know, there's I just a st- wanted to make one, one point, though, about it's not just Mercedes, although I was looking yes. at Mercedes, it's other car brands as well, so. Yeah. Sure. And, no. and also in that, um, you know, in the manual, I'm wondering, and uh, Rick can probably answer this question, you know, I was quite some time ago in a, an accident and my airbag went off and I had some pretty severe burns and I'm wondering, was I too close? Um, Rick, can you answer that question? It is potential that you were too close, but airbags can cause burns. Oh. Uh, The way the airbag works, it's an actual chemical burning process that creates all the gas to fill that bag. It gets quite hot. But on the other hand, those burns are a little easier to handle than a face impact into the dashboard or the steering wheel. And at least you're you're alive to complain about the burns, you know, the... Good point. Good point. Steve, I hope we answered all your questions, and thank you so much for what you just shared with us. I'm sure that you got the attention of all of our listeners. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a wonderful weekend. If you uh, didn't tune in last week and and didn't listen to Nancy's comments about uh, car safety tests, um, it's uh, kind of like one of these dirty dirty little secrets of the National Highway Traffic Safety Association and the insurance companies, when they test cars, they use ma- male models. The, 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 the dummies you see in these slow, slow motion movies uh, where they hit the, the wall and the dummy goes flapping around and cars roll over, and they, those are male dummies. And uh, they, are, they don't use a female model to, to uh, test safety. So if, if the, the average size male is safe in a car, then it gets a high safety rating, and the car manufacturer advertises it, the dealer advertises it, say, hey, we have a really safe car. And if you have a woman who happens to be small statue, it's not safe for that woman, but you don't know that unless you read the fine print in the manual, and half the people driving the cars are women. So, so uh, Rick? Yeah, they also don't use like child-sized dummies. Yes. They don't use dummies of varying shapes and sizes. Right. Or dogs. It's or or even dogs. They use just a single like a single generic. Yeah. Six yeah, foot I, tall, one hundred and seventy pound. So that commercial where they show the family of crash test dummies. That's us all made up for the commercial. Yeah, pretty much. Huh. Interesting. I'm and another interesting. Yeah, point. they have a whole family. They got little kid dummies, daddy dummies, mama dummies. Yeah. It's all yeah. marketing. Ladies, Puffery. Uh, ladies, uh, we, as you can hear, have become a, well, a powerful voice. So let your voice be heard. Uh, I'm going to offer one more lady $50. If you are a new caller, give us a call at 877-960-9960. We're going to go back to the phones where we have Marty calling us from West Palm Beach. Good morning, Marty. Good morning. How's everybody doing? We're wonderful. Thanks for giving us a call back. I just wanted to mention what Earl said about car dealers, that they should look to the future, because I'm from uh, Rochester, New York. haven't been back there for about 15 years. I don't miss the weather. 
but East, nobody thought Kodak would ever go down the tubes. Everybody thought Kodak would be around forever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, they missed the boat on digital photography. They were still, they were still printing uh, film and pictures and missed the boat. They went from 60,000 employees and registered down to about 5,000. The, their original stock went down to zero and because they didn't have the foresight to look ahead. And, I mean, right now, like Earl said, I don't think regular cars are going to go out of business for quite a while no. because you've got so many gas-driven cars. It's, you know, and they would have to come out with something electric that everybody could afford. But uh, you have to look ahead, and you've got to be, uh, you know, proactive in that. Sure. A Polaroid camera. Who remembers Polaroid? Uh, Polaroid was wow. going to co- put Kodak out of business, and now digital put Polaroid out of business. Oh. It's like a little. It's a little niche thing. Kids buy them now. You can buy them in like clothing right. stores. Yep. Is that right? As a novelty. Right. Yeah, my kids have some. Mm. And right. what about Jake? Well, Rochester, the other day when you were saying for the gentleman that passed away, that was a car dealer. I really never realized that he was from Rochester or in that area. <laughs> yeah. and Huge. <laughs> and uh, I, I never bought, I in Rochester, I only bought uh, Hondas or Toyotas. When I used to have Buicks, I had problems with their transmission all the time. So I, I went to Hondas and Toyotas, and I have to say, I don't think Toyota's going to go away for quite a while. And even no. though you came out saying that Tesla, I guess, was worth more, I assume it was a stock in stock. Yeah. But not in volume. Correct. Funny you should mention that because the uh, executive who will remain nameless that uh, Stu and I had lunch with yesterday, I mentioned the fact that uh, Tesla was worth almost twice as much as Toyota, and he bristled mm. and said that, you know, <laughs> Tesla is only profitable before uh, because of the carbon credits that they get, which is true. Uh, they uh, they would not be profitable today. If we're, if we're not for the carbon credits, they build and sell all electric cars, so they earn a huge number of carbon credits. If you don't know what those are, the government uses that to incentivize uh, all manufacturers to build stuff that maybe costs them more money to build than they should, and they give them a credit toward uh, their earnings. And you can have too many carbon credits that don't offset your taxes, and then you can sell them. And so carbon credits are are bartered back and forth. Tesla is a total seller of carbon credits. So someone like General Motors that's building a lot of uh, you know uh, combustion engine cars uh, that are are violating the rules on emissions have to buy the carbon credits, and they pay Elon Musk, and he puts it in the bank, and that's the reason Tesla is profitable today. Now they're they're twice as profitable as Toyota, but not in real money in carbon credits. Yeah, I I still see more Toyotas around than Teslas, so oh, yeah. I don't think you have anything <laughs> to worry about. I I think you're going to be in good shape for for many years. I hope you're right. I I believe you're right. Yeah. All right. Thank have you, a Marty. Good day, everybody. Thank you very much. Bye. Give Bye. us a call again, Marty. We. Really enjoy talking to you. Hey, 877-960-9960, or you can text us at 772-497-6530. I think we're going to get to some YouTubes. Well, I do have one comment in from Donovan again. He says, 
Uh, it's not true there's no oil to change on an EV. There is oil and an oil filter. It's used to cool the electric motor stator and the reduction gear differential. Uh, you have to change it every 100 to 150,000 miles, and Tesla Model 3 and Model Y have a traditional screw-on type oil filter to make this change easier. You know, Donovan has become a regular on our radio show. He is. He's and, and he has filled us with so much information. Thank who, you, Donovan. Who said there was no oil change on the... There, oh. There isn't. I'm, I'm looking at the scheduled maintenance guide right here. Yeah. There is... I don't see anything like that. I'll keep looking, but... Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to investigate that. Yeah, myself. there's no... Yeah. Uh, I wonder what Donovan's source was. I'm wondering, because he... From the comments that he makes a lot here on YouTube, I, I'd love to have him call in. Donovan, if you... If, call in, buddy. Call Please. the show. We'd love to talk with you. They recommend every year lubricating brake calipers, um, an AC desiccant bag every two years. You Tesla owners out there, uh, call the show and let us know. Do you have oil that you have to change on your Tesla? Going on a limb, we, no. we, we said no, and Donald says yes. So Tesla says no, too. Wouldn't be the first time we've been <laughs> yeah. wrong. But Tesla he, says no. He seems to have a lot of information about cars. I wonder if he's in the automotive business somewhere. It, it seems that way. Donovan, please give us a call at 877-960-9960. We have a lot of questions for you. Stu? I'm just at the source information. But anyway, let's move on. Um, this is from Bob, and he texted. He says, what do you think of Kia regarding reliability? First thing I did is I went over to Consumer Reports. There you go. And Because uh, I don't know. But if you have a, uh, a Consumer Reports account, you can get it. So I looked up the three most popular Kia models. Jonathan can put it on the screen. The first one we looked at is the Kia Forte, 2021 Kia Forte. And if you can see it on the screen right now, um, it has a one out of five on predicted reliability. Um, that is the worst that you can get. Um, and it's got an overall score of 42. It's not a recommended. So that's the answer on that one. The next popular vehicle is a Kia Soul. It also gets a one out of five. This is a 2021 Kia Soul. It gets a one out of five on reliability. That's really bad. It's got an overall score of 48. And then the Kia Sorento, which is the SUV, and it's got a three out of five in predicted reliability. It's in the yellow. It's a little bit better. Overall score is 76, but I would caution um, on the new Kia models on the reliability ratings. Now, Just if, you're, if you're new to the show, I'm holding up the annual issue on Consumer Reports. Our auto issue is just uh, worth its weight in gold. And Consumer Reports, period, is the, the ultimate source. They take no advertising. Uh, they live on donations. They will not even buy a car to test uh, it, uh, other than sticker price or, or they buy it from a dealer. They won't take it. Uh, they take uh, no no uh, kickbacks or gratuities or anything at all. They're strictly objective. Now, back on is a Kia a good car? You take any, any manufacturer. They have almost every manufacturer has some recommended cars on Consumer Reports models. Now, uh, uh, Kia probably doesn't have a whole lot of them, but I'm, I'm sure they have models that are recommended. So no matter what you're buying, just don't take the whole brand and write it off because someone told you it got a bad consumer's report uh, rating. Uh, look at the model because individual models vary greatly on consumer reports, and that's our Bible on quality. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Uh, we will jump over here to... Well, somebody in California uh, says oil prices continue to soar. How will this impact hybrid and EV sales? Are you seeing an increase in hybrid sales this summer? 
And then follow-up text says gas is $4.30 here in California. We have so many hybrids out there now. Everybody's jumped on the hybrid bandwagon. And they're, you know, when I think about demand, I think about Prius when it first came out with Toyota back in the 80s. And uh, that was the only hybrid. And so we would see the price of, it was almost like a direct correlation between gas prices and Prius sales once Prius became available <clears throat> in quantity. Now there's so many hybrids, it's kind of muted, so yeah. we don't see uh, uh, an extreme variation. In normal times, we'll see a little bit, but you see, yeah. you're right, exactly. So when everybody jumped to hybrids, we would have these enormous spikes in, in the hybrid sales. But uh, So it gets spread out amongst the other manufacturers. But now... Even though gas prices are going up and everything, it's just because of the inventory situation, it's really hard to measure this. So there's yeah. not a whole, very many hybrids to sell. <laughs> so that's, that's by, the by, by the way, just speaking of that, the microchip manufacturers, and this is the reason for the, other than the COVID phenomenon, uh, the microchip, microchip shortage is what's causing new car, car prices to spike and indirectly used car prices to spike. Uh, the microchip manufacturers have notified the auto manufacturers, and this was just in the news a couple days ago, that they're going to have 30 to 50% more microchips available in the second half of this year than they thought they were going to have. So uh, remember, you heard it on this show before, we're going to have a surplus of new cars at toward the end of the year. Tremendous buying opportunity for you. You don't have to buy a car today. Wait if you're going to buy a newer used car. Uh, and you will see an overreaction by the auto manufacturers. They will build too many cars, and they won't have enough buyers, and the prices will come down significantly. So uh, good news on the microchip manufacturers are going to be able to supply more. You know, as far as gas is concerned, you know, I, I've talked to so many people uh, about them rethinking how they drive because with gas prices uh, just like uh, California as a matter of fact uh, my sister lives out there and she was telling me they're really rethinking how they drive because it does affect your fuel so uh, we're going to go back to the phones and we're going to be talking to John from West Palm Beach good morning John hey good morning welcome back ah oh, thank you thank you you know the talking about the tesla and whether or not it requires an oil changer yeah, yeah. or not um you know but by rule of thumb what i've always grown up with is if it's a moving part there's friction friction causes heat and it breaks down the oil of the grease i mean we even have to grease the uh, car doors you know to keep them from squeaking so there's moving parts on that tesla i guess the big question is the interval what's the interval of something that has to be maintained with uh, oil or a grease well I, when, I, and does it need to be changed or added well i'm, I'm going to stand corrected on what i said because donovan emailed something the this does not appear in the tesla owner's manual or any maintenance schedule it's on an internal document with tesla it's not on the model s um but on the model, he, I, there's a part number and there's a picture, and it's it's not a, it's not traditional engine oil, but it looks like there is a casing that requires the introduction of oil. But it's not it's not mentioned to any consumer. It's not on the Tesla website. I just found that as yeah. well, and it's a, a gearbox that uses a traditional screw-on filter style. But again, I, I looked at Tesla's site as well, and it shows nothing in there about uh, scheduled maintenance for yeah. changing it. Well, However, it does say on yeah. the one site that there's a dipstick so you can check the oil level. Huh. 
But it's not it's not a traditional oil. It's not flowing through an engine. Right. It's, right. A, it's a gear loop. Yeah. But um, it's also apparently it's uh, it's on the model. The picture that Donovan sent me, it's got a part number, Model 3. So, very interesting. Yeah, and, yeah. and the one I found here is on the Y also. John? Yeah, no, I, I'm here. Like I, like I said, everything has to be maintained and, you know, yeah. keep it in running order. Yeah, you're exactly and, right. Uh, you're exactly right. Yeah, I think that... Uh, I, I think we so when we say zero maintenance, we're, yeah. we're asking for a, an argument. Now, I guess there's nothing including... Uh, you yeah. know, anything you own requires some yeah. kind of maintenance. Yeah, that's why I said it's not exactly like a phone. I mean, uh, there's more, there are moving parts. Yeah. John, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, John. Have a great weekend. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. And we are going to go back to the text man. Yeah, I, I wonder though. Like the reason for that is it to to bolster the the, the mythology of the Tesla. Like it's not customer facing, so you don't know. Because that's part of the appeal. With the AV cars, it's so different. There's no, there's no maintenance. You don't have to do an oil change. But if there is something required, but it's hidden from the cut, it just it's done secretly every hundred thousand miles when you bring it in for a checkup. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. Mm-hmm. Time for an expose. We'll do a little investigation. Exactly. Um, let's see here. Let's jump over to. Um, actually, no. This is actually very topical. It was based on the last question that you answered. It says there has to be a clever way to take advantage of the current car market and get a high price for my used car and then waiting until the new car prices come back down is a long-term rental an option? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, the problem is rental cars are off the chart too on yeah. price. Anything on four wheels today costs you more money. Uh, transportation to get you there is gonna cost you more. So, yeah, I, th- I was thinking about that same thing. It's a shame. Uh, you're driving a used car that's 50% gr- uh, greater value uh, than it was a year ago but you needed to get to work, and you don't want to buy a new car because that costs too much money, and you're caught between a rock and a hard place. I might, you know, here I'm, I'm half serious. Uh, Uber or Lyft. Uh, how often do you use a car? We have a lot of people. I know a lot of people that that, that don't go 20 miles a, a day. Uh, you know, that's all they use their car for. Some some don't do that. We I have customers at our dealership that uh, will put. You know, a thousand, two thousand miles on a car. Now, if you're doing that, you don't need a car, really. You take Uber. And uh, uh, people say, well, I like to own my car and I don't want to have to call Uber. Yeah. I get that. It's temporary. But if you're trying to make a big score uh, and you're trying to play the market with a high price used car and the low, high price new car, you could sell. It's, you could sell your used car, make a just uh, make a home run and hitchhike. Yeah, and hitchhike. Or bum rides from your friends. <laughs> or, or take Uber, you know, or, 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 or carpool. or yeah. uh, Bicycle. You know, I mean, there's a lot of ways people get around yeah. without cars. And if you can suffer for three or four months, you got out of the top of the used car market, and then you jump in at the bottom of the new car market. So that'd be a real home run. Yeah, you'd be the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. <laughs> Back to Stu. The comedian. <laughs> um, I got a text from Mark. He says, as far as consumer reports go, must one have a membership in order to gain access to their information in magazines? Yes and no. If you don't want a subscription, just call into the show. <laughs> and you can get a library card to any library. Yeah. Anybody remember what a library? You youngsters there's, out there, there's one down the libraries are places where they have books. And books are and, kind and of like an iPhone. 
but anonymous. Now, if you're a member of a library, you have free access online or the hard copy of the Consumer Report. So go to your local library and get a free Consumer Report every month, and you'll never have to subscribe. Or text me. Text me or the show. Yes. I still have my library card from the 50s. Really? Do you still have that book you checked out in 1957? <laughs> <laughs> um, you have a huge fine, I promise you. Um, Mark has a second question. This is, why did they cancel production of the Scion XB? That was my favorite vehicle and a much better vehicle than the Kia Soul. They shut down the whole Scion line. And uh, they, a couple of the cars, uh, the IA uh, they became a Toyota. And, and the, the IM. F and the, and the FR FRS became yep. an 86. But the, the XB did not survive. Maybe it was just too weird for its own good. Who knows? Well, I was, you know, we, yeah, we yeah. don't have time to talk about it on the show, but it's an interesting, it's a long story. And Toyota got ahead of itself in terms of selling cars. They wanted to have a perfectly safe car, and they wanted to have a car that could be bought with no hassle and no haggle uh, without having to go through the horrors that you have to do to buy a car. So they came up with this great idea and nobody came to the party. And the car dealers uh, prostituted the car uh, and, uh, and added the hidden fees and, uh, and loaded it up with accessories oh, yeah. and haggled and hassled and screwed the customers. And the whole Scion uh, experience collapsed. Collapsed because of Toyota overestimated the intelligence. Or the, the ethical... Um yeah, you know the, the the dealer body. Exactly, the dealer body destroyed the Scion, yep. and they just eliminated nice going, it. And, and they and they even took the signs down, and they took the name away. Even when they were building the signs, they just called it something else. Yeah, changed the name. It was, it was an embarrassment to Toyota. They still they still survive in the showrooms, but with and what was names. the name of the guy that that headed up Scion? Uh, Oh, well, in Southeast Toyota, it was Michael Kennedy, but it was, was it Bob Carter? Or? No, 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 no. It'll come to me. Anyway, he's the president of Ford now, CEO of Ford. and uh, Chris Farley. Yeah. So Jim Farley uh, was... Jim Farley. <laughs> Jim Farley uh, pioneered. He was the CEO of Scion within Toyota. And he is a visionary. He's an extremely sharp guy. He's a very honest guy. And now he's CEO of Ford. And let me tell you something. I wrote Ford off a long time ago in terms of who's going to win the game with, with uh, the rapid change in the way things are going. Ford loses money hand over fist. It's been a joke uh, in, in modern history and uh, just a question of time before they go under. But Jim Farley is going to, I think, save them. And I think if he can figure out how to get the uh, dealer distribution network uh, cleaned up, uh, he could uh, he could be General Motors, Toyota, Ford, Honda, uh, everybody except Tesla because they already go direct uh, in terms of marketing uh, Fords and maybe save Ford. Yeah. But the Scion was uh, ahead of its time, yeah. pure and simple. Yeah, he's a visionary. Stu. He's also a cousin of Chris Farley, the comedian who died in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, true. I have a question for you. As far as the Scion sound system, did it really deserve the kind of popularity and attention that it received? I, I think so, because when they first came out, they this you know, remember uh, we know about Gen Z and you know and, and the millennials back before they started calling that generation millennials, they called them Gen Y, and so they designed everything to appeal to this this younger generation that were just starting to buy cars when it came out, 
And so that was like upgraded sound systems and customizability and all that. So yeah, they did put a better um, headstock as a base model and they did speakers and all that. So it was, yeah, kids liked it a yeah, lot. The, the opinions that I uh, received were about the sound, sound system. Yeah. They didn't mention anything else, whether, I don't know, Gen Z, uh, Gen Y, millennials, whatever, yeah. but they loved the sound system. Yeah. The funny thing, they were wrong about that because they thought Gen Y would buy them all, but a lot of older people did. So it was, you know, that was a neat experiment. Because they had headroom. They were easy to get in and get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. especially that XP, exactly. Not a joke. Uh, Jonathan Wellington texted to say that, uh, just FYI, the price of gas is pretty much the same across the country, but much higher in California because of their numerous gas taxes, and I've read that as well. Um, let's jump over to anonymous feedback. Um, We'll have a fun one. I think we've done this question before, but real quick, because it could take a long time. Just out of curiosity, what's the favorite car um, you all have ever owned? And I'll just start. Forerunner, it's my favorite car. No, you have to start with me. Okay, I'm sorry. Barracuda. We knew that. <laughs> <laughs> 1957 Pontiac Bonneville fuel injection. And Rickster? My Tacoma. Is it your favorite ever? Yeah. That's just sweet. What about you, Jonathan? Plymouth Roadrunner. Plymouth Roadrunner. There you go. Look See? at that. See, we can be brief if we if we want to. Um, Do you want me to talk about my Barracuda? You can. I, this is your show. I'm just I'm just a guest. I'm going to pull the plug on your mic if you try. Um, more anonymous feedback. Um, can an airbag be installed as an aftermarket device on a car that did not originally have one? No. Yeah. Okay. And please don't try this at home. It's a uh, very, very, very... Uh, Sophisticated. Uh, dangerous, uh, you know, ironically, right? Uh, I, I'm, I'm saying it almost tongue-in-cheek with Takata that airbags can be dangerous, but even a, an airbag that works uh, can be dangerous because it's, uh, they're powerful things. They, they explode to save you. When airbags were first coming out, uh, people actually did get killed by them. There was one yeah. case that I heard of. A, a woman was going to her office on a Saturday in the winter. She pulled into the parking lot a little quick, hit a snowdrift, Mm-hmm. And the airbag caught her in the chest and, and stopped her heart, killed yeah. her. Mm. I heard a rumor that in our dealership there were some crazy technicians that used to uh, like to set the airbags off <laughs> for thrills, and they didn't want <laughs> the owner to know about it. But Actually, the back then the rule was we could not return an airbag to parts unless it was detonated. Uh-huh. So you and, all got around yeah, the thing. And that was Jeff's rule. <laughs> uh, well, actually, Jeff wasn't even a parts guy. This is he just liked the, 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 the shop. He just liked the explosion. <laughs> you got to blow that up for me first. <laughs> I was the one that got to blow them all up. And the craziest thing I ever saw was uh, they were in like uh, service and people doing pranks. They put airbag um, exploders like under a chair. Oh, yeah, I saw yeah. a guy go through a ceiling. Yeah, I will. I yeah. I won't let anybody be near him. But that's assault, brother. Yep. <laughs> All right. Mark uh, followed up again. He wanted to make sure that we knew that the sound system was superior, and he's in the '60s, and he's talking about the science. So, mm-hmm. but Mark, Mark's a hip cat, you know. He yes. likes, you know, he likes his hi-fi. <laughs> yeah, that's a term you haven't heard in a long time. Okay. Uh, really. <laughs> anonymous feedback. Uh, oh, we have a critic. Uh, I don't know if I'm being picky, but I hate how you use the term female instead of woman. I think female sounds clinical. I never hear you refer to men as males. That's a good point. I, I, I get, I'm so careful. I try to be careful because I don't want to offend people. And I'm glad you told me that. I think, I think you're right. Woman certainly uh, sounds. Well, but what's uh, the adjective for woman? If you say like you, a female mystery shopper, what, what, what other option do we have? A woman mystery shopper? Woman, a lady mystery shopper? Lady. I think See, that's But that's a lady, lady can be offensive, too, because lady, so. you it's, know. It's a throwback, yeah. Hey, lady. Yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, Not good. Yeah. 
So uh, hey, uh, I'd love to. We'd like to hear from the. We'd like to hear from the woman Women. slash lady, lady. slash females. Uh, what are, What are your preferred? Yeah. Um, yeah. Nancy, how do you How do you like to be called? Well, um, first of all, queen. I can't make. <laughs> <laughs> uh, first of all, um, I can't make everybody happy. You know why? Right. I'm not a bottle of tequila. So there you go. That's what. I <laughs> That's a good one. I'm That's what I have to say. Another knee slapper. <laughs> I'm st- no, I'm stealing that. I can't make everybody happy. What do you think I, I, I am, love a bottle blowing, of tequila? <laughs> I love blowing buildings up. Excuse me, I digress. <laughs> At any rate, uh, you know, seriously, uh, whenever I say female, it, I kind of stutter when I say female, and I've wanted to change that, and it just, I, I haven't come up with the solution um, you know that's what, a great you know what I, I just had a revelation. This is part, the reason we can't come up with a word is because it's a male uh, right. world. The males designed it, and there are a lot of things that are awkward, like well, every time, you're not supposed to say actress anymore, you're supposed to say actor. <laughs> and I don't know, if you're like me, every time I see a, an attractive woman who is a great performer, and I call her an actor, I feel a little strange. I mean, yeah. I want to say actress, but actress is a male word designed, and the women don't like it. And uh, but we're having a hard time even describing uh, the other right. uh, other part of the species besides males, because the uh, males came up with all the yeah, words. The, the language evolved to you yeah. know, support the uh, the patriarchy. Exactly, that's true. Yeah, I have so much more to say about it, but we really don't have time. <clears throat> but uh, thank you for the text. Yeah, well, we'll do our best, and that's what we're trying to do every day. Yeah. So we all, uh, our attentions are good. Yeah, everybody that's listening, give us a call. What's your opinion? Help us out. Eight seven seven nine six zero ninety nine sixty. Okay, uh, and more anonymous feedback. <laughs> feedback. Uh, um, has anybody thought about making a Roomba for your car? Um, do you know what a Roomba is? Are you it's a dance, at? right? No. Wait, no. That's, that's, that's a Roomba. That was a joke. Wait, that's wait, a Roomba. I know what a Roomba is. <laughs> we have one in the living room, and I stopped using it. <laughs> All right. I, this is a, a fascinating concept. Um, no, no, no. Roomba does not make one for the car. I think the existing Roombas are probably too big and wouldn't really work, but maybe a very small one that <laughs> What do you think, Rick? Rick's there. He knows this is not a serious anonymous feedback, but Rick's maybe leaving. it is. I don't know. I mean, it addresses an issue, and that's keeping your car clean, and that's relevant to yep. our show. Yeah. I have two questions. Mm-hmm. First off, how is my cat going to ride on a Roomba that small? <laughs> does, does your cat ride on the Roomba? We don't have a Roomba. Oh, okay. The cat would kill it. Otherwise, the second one is, what would you do when that Roomba got up underneath the brake pedal while you were driving? Ooh. Yeah, well, that's, that's, why it's, that's why it's a terrible idea. <laughs> okay. Hey, we gotta get, we're got going to air every, everything that comes in. We don't censor very often. And uh, so that was a text. Um, we're all caught up. I don't have any more text or anonymous feedback. Well, I got uh, another one here from Donovan. When dealing with an AutoNation dealer, how do you get out of the $800 dealer fee they have that is not in the advertised price? They are a one price store, so that seems the only way to negotiate on something is that dealer fee. How about a class action lawsuit against AutoNation, which is a publicly held company uh, for unethical advertising? Any lawyers out there? No, I totally agree. Uh, 
um, you know, the uh, automation is uh, supposed to go by all the rules. I actually, we recommend automo automation dealerships um, most of the time. I, I don't think we have any automation dealerships on our do not buy list, but uh, I think it's a little uh, misleading to say we're, and they're only one price on used cars anyway. They're not one price on new cars. So uh, it, it's, uh, they're, they're still, from an ethical honesty, transparency standpoint, automation stores are a cut above. Uh, just watch out for them in the F&I department, the finance department. That's where they really lay you away. Uh, they make more money in financing cars than anybody. They are really numero uno uh, when uh, taking uh, uh, advantage of you in the yeah, finance department. Most definitely. Yeah. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of uh, Kia, we have a mystery shopping report, and uh, Stu is ready for that. He wrote a great mystery shopping report, and that is from Hollywood Kia. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go to the Roadrunner, and he is a regular caller. Good morning, Steve. Beep, beep. Good morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? <laughs> All right. Beep, beep. <laughs> Beep, beep. Good. Uh, yesterday while having lunch, me and my friend, I, we parked next to that new electric Mustang. Oh, electric Mustang. Uh, the Mach-E. Yeah, Mach-E-X, I believe. Yeah. Doesn't look okay. like a Mustang. No, no, I thought it was uh, an SUV. Yeah. So I'm looking at it. I said, where the heck are the door handles? There ain't no door handles. So I looked up further on the door. There's little... There's, because I wanted to see if it was a four-door, and it was. There's little buttons there, and it has a little lock icon on it cool. with that. Cool. My question is, everybody knows somebody has a lead foot, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, let's say you're driving a gas-powered vehicle that's supposed to get, like, 30 miles to the highway gallon, but since you've got a lead foot, you only get, like, 23. Mm-hmm. Now, is that the same possible thing that could happen would somebody with an electric car have a lead foot or a lead, uh, a lead, however they pump, you know, get the car to go? Is that possible? Would the mileage would vary on on the driver with an electric car? I, I don't, I don't think so. And Rick uh, can correct me on this, but you actually charge your battery when you brake, and if you have a lead foot, you have to accelerate and brake a lot. Uh, the more you accelerate and brake, the more you brake. Of course, the acceleration depletes the battery. And the accelerate and the braking charges the battery. Uh, before I get myself in trouble, I'll turn it over to Rick. Actually, as a matter of fact, uh, Negan, who came back from the light to the light side, okay, uh, I want had you a question Negan. about this about the brakes on Tesla systems. Um, they use what's called regenerative braking. Uh, the electric motors that drive the car, when you let off the accelerator, they reverse into generators mm -hmm. to create electricity and the drag that is created by that generator actually creates more electricity but it also slows the wheels so the car will coast but when you step on the brake pedal the first thing it does is provide a little more force to charge those generators to make but them produce more electricity. His question was about a lead foot so if I'm driving an electric car and I floor it uh, it's sucking up a lot of uh, yes, uh, battery, power. More battery power. And then when I take my foot off, it decelerates naturally and then it charges the battery. But I have a feeling it's not 50 50. You no, probably no. burn up a lot more. So you, the answer uh, is actually yes. If you have a heavy foot, you're going to run out of uh, battery power pretty quick. Yeah. 
Yeah, because they, I googled I googled that car, and it says it takes ten hours for a hundred percent charge. Depending on the charger, uh, oh, for the uh, Mustang, yeah. yeah. Wait ten hours when you got to leave town in a hurry. I see. Interesting. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you got to leave town in a hurry, you don't want an electric car. If you don't, if you forget to plug it, then you're in trouble, right? Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is said to get it at eighty percent of a charge, it's less time. Yeah. So I like to know what the difference is, if anybody knows, between an eighty percent charge and a hundred percent charge. Twenty percent. Very good. I told you. I told you, Rick was smart. Well, the from what I've heard described on it, it's that first charge. They're they're supercharging it, so they're really pushing the electricity in at a heavy current rate, a very uh, much higher rate of current and voltage. So what happens is when it hits that eighty percent point, they have to slow it down to prevent heat uh, buildup. And so that way the batteries don't overheat. Just like a regular battery. Exactly, identically. So they could blow up if they do overheat then, right? Yes, they could. There is that potential. Okay, last week we spoke about the price of charging. I said the one at Walmart was 43 cents a kilowatt. Mm -hmm. And you said it could go all the way up to like 80 cents a kilowatt. There's no ruling on that? Is that right, sir? He's uh, talking about the cost of charging. Can it go up to 80 right. cents? Um, it's really up to the uh, whoever is managing the charging station. Um, so, yeah, you can arbitrarily do it. Like we have our set to, I think, 12 cents a kilowatt hour, um, which is, I think, our average, what we're paying. So, um, But it is up to whoever owns that charger. And at your home, it's going to be whatever you pay at home. So you plug in, it's going to be hmm. like 14 cents, 12 cents a kilowatt hour. So, so I can buy a charging station and charge electric cars in my carport, right? You can because it just ups, I guess, ups the. And I'm, I'm not a technician, but um, we we installed one, um, so it's a little bit better than the 110 volt, um, so it does a little bit faster. Um, but uh, ChargePoint is a manufacturer; they do the public ones, and they also make one for home. So that's what we put on put our house. It was seven hundred dollars for the unit, and then we had to pay a, an electrician to install it. What's the one that's going out in my garage? You're getting the Tesla so supercharger. So you paid out a lot of money, so now you got to make up that money, right? Yeah, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I wasn't really looking at, like, fuel s- savings. Um, over time, um, as more electric, because my son has a plug-in um, hybrid, and so he plugs in there as well, and in the future we'll have more. So we just figured this is not a short-term thing. You know, the next 10 years we're probably going to have multiple plug-in vehicles. So we figured it would be a, a so good it, investment. It, yeah, it's a great my investment. My question is, what is everybody going to do with their gas-powered cars? Sell them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it, you think you know they'll they'll be worth a lot of money. I mean, I you know, nineteen I have a 1937 Pontiac on the showroom floor in my dealership, and uh, uh, it cost me a lot of money because I had to have it restored. And if I were ever going to sell it, I sell it for a lot of money. So if you if you got on a, if you have a really cool uh, combustion engine car and you take care of it, uh, pass it down to your uh, son grandson, and uh, it'll be worth a lot of money one day. Collector's item. Oh, so when I die, they're going to have fun with my money. No, I'm taking my money. <laughs> Take it. I think nah, we, nah, we, nah, we should nah, bury nah. ourselves in our, in our gas-powered cars. That's that's yeah. A, yeah. It's not environmentally friendly. but Steve, All right. Okay, that sounds good. Everybody have a good and safe weekend. Th- thank you, Steve. Beep, beep. Thanks, Steve. Stay in touch. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, take a look at Earl's latest column, and it is uh, how to effectively complain to your car dealer. 
Uh, what a great read this is. I mean, there's so many tips, and uh, if, uh, Jonathan has me on the camera. You can take a look at. Uh, I just love uh, this uh, woman, lady, female. <laughs> that gives me uh, gives I'll, me PTSD looking at. Can I? Do you have can it, I Jonathan? Say, can I say something seriously about that? Because I every now and then I do a blog column, a newspaper column that I, re I really enjoy. Nobody else does, but I do. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have been on the receiving end of uh, more complaints than just about anybody. I've been in the car business since 1968, as most of you know. And I started out evil and mean and, and uh, did bad things. And, and uh, naturally, people complain. But now that I'm trying to do everything right, people still complain because we're not perfect and we make mistakes. So I just hear it all, and I'm totally accessible. Uh, people call me. I give my personal cell phone number to all of our customers. I have five red phones in the dealership that you can pick up and talk to me. And so just ask Nancy, who lives with me, uh, the phone mm -hmm. rings a lot, and I hear <laughs> a lot of complaints. I know how to complain, and uh, uh, I'm a good recipient because I understand um, the average person in a business, you don't have to confine it to a car dealership, uh, you have to treat like a human being, and you have to. If you want to have results, let me let me preface with that. If you want to have effectively complained, you have to be treat the person you're complaining to with courtesy and respect as much as possible, mm -hmm. and try to be brief. Uh, Stu, he gets a lot of complaints by email. I do. Uh, uh, anybody in business does. When you get a three-page complaint. Uh, and you're a busy person, you might not read it as carefully as you might otherwise. Uh, so complain uh, nicely, I, concisely. I, make more I also make more mistakes on those. Yeah. It, it's hard. I mean, I'm a good reader. <laughs> but yeah. when, you, when it's that dense and that big, I, I've missed point, yeah. the point before. Yeah. And, yeah. That's and complain it's to it. the right person. You don't want to call You don't want to complain uh, to the... Uh, just necessarily the person that created the problem. You want to be sure you go up the ladder as high as necessary. Somebody usually in most dealerships or businesses, someone has got a heart, has got empathy, and will try to take care of you. Find that person and then complain nicely, courteously, and briefly. And you'd be surprised because you don't want to call the lawyer. You don't want to do the Lemon Law. Nancy, you're... Yes, I have a caller. Well, let's do it. <clears throat> okay. Briefly is the operative word. Briefly. Briefly. Evan, thank you so much for holding. Evan is calling us from California. Good morning, Hi. Evan. Yes, good morning. Um, I'm calling because I am in a real uh, pickle, and I need some advice. Um, here's the situation I'm in. Um, I have a 14-year-old Toyota Corolla, and basically it's beat. Tires are gone. The brakes are gone. Uh, there's problems with the exhaust manifold. Uh, during the pandemic, it wasn't much of a problem because um, my wife and I were able to work from home, and we, weren't, we didn't use it hardly at all. Now, all of a sudden, what happened was I, <laughs> I, I guess I was naive. I, I went to my credit union. I got a $20,000 pre-approved loan uh, at, a, at, a, at a pretty good rate. And then all of a sudden, I, I find out that um, I cannot afford any decent uh, new cars, except for the ones that have very low reliability ratings. And uh, I'm not really sure what to do. Uh, do I 
try to fix a car that's worth, you know, basically nothing? Um, or do I uh, buy a car that has a, you know, bad reliability rating? Or I had one other thought was, do I go to a service, you know, an auto broker that claims that they'll get you something below MSRP? Uh, and they'll ship it all over California. Uh, so I'm not sure what to do. That's why I'm calling because I, I thought, do I pay you know five to eight hundred dollars for a broker? Do I just give up the car loan? Do I try to fix? So I know is, there's already queues. Is and it lines is it drivable? Is it is it running right now? Barely. I only drive it. I mean, literally, like within. I drive it no more than like three miles from my home because I'm really concerned it's going to break down. <clears throat> I don't know how feasible this is. I mean, if there's, if there's any way to extend the life of that Corolla just a few more months until we get out of the, the worst of this inventory, because right now, mm-hmm. you know, if you go the option of trying to replace the, the vehicle, like you said, going through, a, you're not going to get a good price you know, anywhere right now because just the, the inventory shortages. there's any way to a Band-Aid mm-hmm. or you know, just something to extend it to the, the fall or, or, or the end of the year, then you'll be in a much better position to replace it. Um, and let me, let me jump in there too, Evan. There, you say you can't buy a good car for $20,000. There are a lot of good used cars, even at today's high prices, that, uh, and it depends on your definition of good. I'm, by good, I mean safe and reliable cars that you can get for $20,000. But Stu's absolutely right. Uh, you want to... Uh, you want to try to delay that if you could, if you could keep that that uh, 2007 Corolla running uh, for three or four months, which you should be able to for a reasonable investment. The, whatever it costs you to keep it running would would be uh, small in comparison to the save to the savings you're going to have, and you can get a heck of a good used car for twenty thousand dollars. I'm looking at yeah. the Consumer Reports uh, annual auto issue now, and uh, they have it by price category. Uh, take a look at that online, and uh, you'll find a lot of different cars that you can get excellent used cars uh, for $20,000. But wait, wait until uh, November, and don't do it now, and try to keep that, that uh, 2007 going. So let's, let's talk about a strategy. I have uh, right now 220,500 uh, miles on the car, and uh, basically it's gonna, it needs new brakes, needs new tires, and the, I think the exhaust manifold has problems because when I brought it into a dealership before the pandemic, about two months earlier, uh, the mechanic told me that the exhaust manifold uh, had problems. You start the engine, the, 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 the engine kind of makes a sort of like a rah-rah noise all the time when it's not moving. So it, it doesn't sound very good. But otherwise, it drives. I, I, I haven't uh, had any other problems, except I replaced the battery uh, last year. That's it. So what strategy, in terms of keeping this thing going through you know, November or December, would you recommend? Rick, Rick uh, let me ask Rick this question. Worst case scenario, I mean, the, you know, the brakes and the tires, uh, you can give an estimate on, but uh, the, the exhaust manifold. Uh, really, only the worst case, worst thing that could happen, even if it were to completely crack and break, uh, loud exhaust. And 
obviously, it, depending if you live in a state with emissions laws, you wouldn't be able yeah, to pass that's emissions. Yeah, problem. It, my smog is coming up too pretty soon, so I don't know if it's going to pass that. <laughs> is that how soon is that? Oh, uh, in about uh, three weeks. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. What's a 2007 Corolla worth uh, today? Well, without problems, um, three grand. Yeah. With 200-something thousand miles on it, yeah. yeah. I'd say maybe 2,500, three yeah. grand. We were talking earlier in the show, just kind of half seriously, Kevin, about uh, what could you do for three months? How many miles do you drive every day? Uh, not a lot. Uh, it's basically getting my wife over to public transportation, which she has to go to the office, mm-hmm. and basically the grocery store, and you know, if I have to go to the pharmacy. So, you know, we really don't have to drive it too much. You could sell that 2007 Corolla uh, for top dollar, even in the condition it is now, uh, and you could uh, take Uber or Lyft uh, for three months, and then by that time you'll be able to buy um, you know, a car for much, much less. Yeah, that that is something, you know, I'm really glad that I was watching the show today because I was looking at the Kia, and I hadn't uh, looked at those reliability ratings, and when you showed the Kia, I, I logged in, and I looked at the, the Rio, and I said, oh, uh, three out of five, that's not very not good. Great, yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't want to go and get a big you know, loan at a, a MSRP or above and then sure. end up with a car that's you know, oh, overpriced. Yeah. You're buried and in not it. Even what, um, what happens if you don't pass emissions? What's the cost on that? Do you get a fine, or you can't drive in the car? In California, I'm not sure. I think that you have to pay. You have to fix it yourself. You have to pay for it. And then there's a procedure if you if you can't afford it. But basically, at that point, uh, I can't renew the car, and then then uh, I'm gonna oh, you can't be, register, yeah. you know I'm going to have to buy something anyways because I don't want to spend. Uh, I don't know what the price is to fix the uh, the, the emissions on it. So that that's another issue. And my other concern is, uh, is people going to garages to get their cars fixed. They're in better condition, but they they don't want to sell them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then I have to wait in line to get the car fixed. And so I don't know how much money that would make sense to, to spend besides the brakes and the, well, the tires on the Toyota to keep it going for another, you know, six months. Yeah. Seems like, it seems like your bottleneck is the emissions. Yeah. Uh, could you take it to a, a reliable mechanic somewhere and say, listen, uh, if, I, if I did want to have this pass emissions, how much yeah, would it cost that's me? That's where I was going. I'd say, just tell them what you want to do. Say, I, just, I need this thing to cause me no problems for the next four months. Just what's the cheapest mm-hmm. way I can get this thing to pass emissions and, uh, and then see what he says. And By the way, look at the price and, just, and see, you know, about used cars. You said on Consumer Reports they had a, a, a section where you can look at, look at uh, prices of used cars? Yeah, that, yeah but this is based on uh, a previous time. I'm looking at the uh, annual auto issue. You'd have to go to a, and that was in April. So that's, uh, oh. prices have gone up considerably. Uh, uh, you go online and you can uh, you can go online with the Consumer Reports, and you can see uh, used cars under twenty thousand dollars, and they will give you uh, recommended prices, current recommended prices, and uh, recommended cars, and uh, you'll you'll find a lot of really good cars under twenty thousand dollars. Uh huh. Um, what about auto brokers who who claim they'll get you a car no. under MSRP? No, they got their cut. 
That's yeah, I mean, there are honest and there are good auto brokers. Unless you know one that you have experience with, you wouldn't want to take a chance today just by looking for one. Uh, uh, they're, they're, they're just like Sue said, there's, there's good ones and there's bad ones. There's more bad ones than good ones. Hmm. Not even those big, the big platforms. That oh well, no, you've uh, got like yeah, you've got consu- well, consumer reports. You can buy yeah. a, a new car. That's a so in that sense, they're a auto broker. You've got True Car. Right. Uh, you've got uh, Costco. Uh, Costco is your. I, I would. You've got Costco's out there in California. Are you yeah. a Costco yeah. member? Uh, no, it's it's easy to become one. Yeah, yeah sixty bucks. You remember sixty-five bucks, I think, and. Uh, and they will recommend, but they, but you're going to be doing the same thing. You're going to be paying more today, even though it's a Costco price, because Costco ba- you know bases their prices on what the dealers are selling the car for, yeah. and they're selling the car for 50 percent more than they were a year ago. So your best bet uh-huh. is to get that thing fixed, uh, get through emissions, live with it, or sell it. Take the take the money, put it in your pocket, and and take Uber. And then wait till wait till like, November Thanksgiving. And- yeah. Yeah. And that's when, you, when there's going to be a glut of cars, and then at that yes. point, I'll be in a position to, uh, yeah. to, to uh, you know, get something that at that point yeah. will not be ridiculously a lo- priced. Exactly. A, a lot of reasons to wait. And I'll tell you what, that consumer report will save you an enormous amount of money, whether you need a, a repair, whether you want a used car, new car, everything. That consumer report is definitely worth picking up. Evan. I hope I, I we answered you. Well, pardon me? Yeah. I it's, it's, uh, appreciate your advice on that. These are really, really abnormal times. Yes. Yes, definitely. Evan, thanks so much for calling us. Uh, you're out there in California. I know how early it is. And uh, give us a yeah. call again. Sure. Okay. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, Evan. You're, you're welcome. Thank okay. you. Uh, we are going to go to the... One. Uh, uh, we're going to hold off on the mystery shopping report. Stu has. I, I have an obsessive need to clear all these out, so we have one, only one to get to, and it's okay. back on the female thing. But um, it says when you refer to a woman as a female, you're ignoring the fact that she is a female human. It reduces a woman to her re- reproductive parts and abilities. Also, not all women are biologically female, and the conflation of female to woman erases gender non-conforming people and members of the trans community. And like I said, we're trying our best. Uh, you know, we, obviously, it's it's very hard to please everybody, but we're going to continue to evolve and learn. Yeah. And thank you for the feedback. And, 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 and let me just say this too: woman is a male uh, form of uh, speech because it's got man, and somehow or other they put a W-O in front of man to make woman, and it's like a secondary. Right. Uh, you know, first you got right. the men, you got a man. That's the standard. And then you got some, you know. The lesser a, modified version. A, a modified man. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the problem with language. And the language was created by man, yeah. unfortunately. And so here we're stuck, and we will work as, as much as we can to treat all yeah. humans Defin- out there definitely. the same. You well know, I, I think I'd like to go with Lionel. And dogs, too, by the way. I'd like to go with, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to go with uh, Lionel Richie's uh, famous lady uh, i really like that uh lady so uh, anyway we're going to take uh, all this into consideration right. and uh, reevaluate the situation and uh how about luck be a lady tonight there See, you go I just, another I, yes yeah another. no that's not good yeah absolutely <laughs> uh 
to our uh, listeners, uh, our lines are frozen, uh, but we do depend upon you to rate the Mystery Shopping Report. And that Mystery Shopping Report is from Hollywood Kia. And I believe that Rick would like to say something. Got just one quick one here. Uh, a new uh, member on YouTube here, OSM, is asking Earl, uh, they're looking to buy a new uh, used car relatively soon. What's your opinion on Carvana? Uh, it's a good place to check. I mean, not by itself, CarMax, Carvana. Sell your car uh, there for sure. You know, yeah, it's just, yeah. Carvana is a good source to check. Yep. And they'll pay a lot of money for your car. There you go. Sometimes. Uh, usually. That's I true. mean, more today than yeah, ever yeah. before, but you still shop it around. Don't, you don't get one bid, you get three or four bids. Okay, Mr. Shopping Report. Absolutely. Read fast. Shop <laughs> of a Hollywood Kia in Hollywood, Florida. This week we sent our veteran. Okay, so you got that word there, woman mystery shopper, veteran I woman. Use, I use woman as an adjective. No, you use female. I did. Uh, uh, so I'm changing it to woman. Our our veteran woman mystery shopper, Agent Lightning, to the rotten heart of South Florida business. Uh, Stu really did well with this report here, by the way. Um, Broward County, the belly of the beast. Mixed his metaphors there, but that's okay. I, I do that all the time. Yeah, okay. Nothing new. And it's okay. It's change, okay to mix metaphors. Sometimes, <laughs> some things change with car dealer behavior. You want to make it south of the Palm Beach, Broward County line. The dealerships get bigger, the ads get bolder, and more outlandish. The salesmen get more aggressive. Very, very true. Just looking at uh, Toyota, my frame of reference uh, as a dealer, the highest volume stores are concentrated between Palm Beach and uh, Miami-Dade counties. There are 1,300 Toyota dealerships in the United States, 174 Toyota dealerships in the five southeastern states, just 174, and they sell over 20% of all the Toyotas in the country. So this is a big, big, big sales area, a lot of automobile sales in South Florida. The 16 dealers in South Florida, the Toyota, sell 20% of those. So uh, 7,000 new Toyotas just last month. In two counties. Yeah, and, yeah, incredible. Uh, Dade and Broward County, 7,000 new Toyotas. So big, big. It's Dodge City. It is the, uh, the Sodom and Gomorrah. we got a lot of words for it down there. Be careful if you're that far south in South Florida. The picture looks the same with the other new vehicle franchises, just crazy in South Florida. Maybe it's a combination of the enormous sprawling population, 90-degree temperatures, maybe just because it's, uh, it's Florida. I think it's got something to do with the, we have a lot of immigrants that come into the uh, Latin um, uh, countries, uh, middle of, uh, Latin America, Middle America. Uh, it just is uh, it's like an international it's a, it's city, Miami. You, get, you have elderly people, you have immigrants, yeah. you have farmers. It's just you have people that have, people that are, have a difficulty with English, and you have old people. Old people. You have a, a lot of potential victims in South Florida. Yeah. In any case, we chose Hollywood Kia because Kia dealers tend to do poorly on our mystery shops. We want to test our expectations for Kia in a market where just about anything goes. As always, we researched our subject prior to the mission and discovered some very interesting things. Hollywood Kia is owned by Jonathan Levy. Jonathan and his family... Uh, star, sorry. Uh, star, yeah, you got to be tight more carefully. Star. Star, I know. Star. And, and, it's and, autocorrect. And, and many TV, TV, TV commercials with his young granddaughter uh, starring in many of them. Jonathan Levy's son, Josh, is the dealership's general counsel, legal counsel, very cool. He's also in his second term, I like this, 
Josh Levy is the mayor of Hollywood, Florida. That's great. Yeah, isn't that cool? I mean, can you imagine electing a car dealer? Son, it's a that'd be like Stu running for mayor. Uh, Josh ran and won the mayoral spot in 2016 at the age of 41. A lot younger than Stu. I didn't say oh, that. Oh, boy. A lot younger. <laughs> That's interesting. But what is really interesting is the other mystery shopping report we found for Hollywood Kia. The daily Kia costs. I never heard of this. It's a. It's kind of a left-leaning news website. Daily Kos, K-O-S. Oh, Kos. 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 I'm a potato, potato. I don't know. Uh, did a feature story on Josh Levy, and the article uh, author described his two poor experiences trying to buy a car from Hollywood Kia. Um, one uh, ten years ago, and the other one just last month. Doesn't sound like a very exciting website to me, but anyway, Stu gave me this uh, link that I haven't clicked on. That's for the readers. That yeah. you can read it, yeah. yeah. The author ended up buying a car from last, from the last month, but the experience wasn't so great. Here's an excerpt from the article about Hollywood Kia. So I agreed to view the 2021 Kia Souls on lot. I picked the white one. Carlos got a price quote for me from a manager. I still have the printout with all the initial figures. Some of them kept changing as I, I felt continued to experience problems with Hollywood Kia. That printout hinted at possible problems to come. The MSRP sticker price on the car was A. The printout said the MSRP was more than $1,000 higher. The, uh, the error was followed by other figures, uh, including discounts, selling price, uh, trade allowance, trade difference, government fees, subtotal total taxes, rebates, and the total balance due. The author went on to say that despite the changing figures, he decided not to challenge them because he was afraid of getting into a longer, more confusing back and forth with the sales manager. The price was in his range, and he just wanted to finish the deal. The Daily Cause article, A Harbinger of Things to Come, you know, what, what you just read there is about the standard yeah, experience. experience at any car dealership. So this guy that wrote the article for Cause is just, uh, you know, he's experiencing an average purchase experience at an average dealer in South Florida. Maybe anywhere. Mm -hmm. Was the Daily uh, Cause article a harbinger of things to come? The only way to find out. So we sent an agent lightning into battle. Oh, yeah. I forgot to mention the Hollywood Kia calls itself home of the no dealership fees. An awkward way to phrase the same. Yeah. yeah very <laughs> the no, it should be the home of no dealer. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. <laughs> this, so here's a report. <laughs> Speaking as if I were agent lightning. Before making the trip to Hollywood Key, I found a new 2022. 22, huh? Yeah, then the 22s are out. Stinger, yeah, by Stinger, the way. Stinger, yeah. Stu was, uh, was typing fast. Uh, GT1 listed on sale for HollywoodKia.com. The MSRP was 47170 but the, stealing, uh, the uh, selling price wasn't clear. Uh, there was uh, what looked like a $1,400 discount, but this was labeled Ad Kia offers add like additional key offers you clicking the link reveal this was a comprise of a thousand dollars for kmf bonus we don't know what that is nope. and four hundred dollars for military appreciation we don't know what that means either i guess that means if you appreciate the military then you get four hundred dollars we don't know what that <laughs> means uh the price was actually a st starting price. Here's the that's, actual price. They listed as starting, no, starting price. I mean, that, that's kind of like we'll a, we'll start a, here. a we'll taunt. Yeah. 
Uh, this is like, we love to haggle. So we're going to start you at 45875 then we'll haggle and hassle and come down from there. Didn't say that. If I pulled it, I pulled in the lot, Hollywood Kia, 2.50 p.m., parked. I walked toward the showroom entrance, discovered the 2022 Stinger. Uh, we haven't seen any 2022 cars That's out the there. first one. Are you sure? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Positive. Yeah, I, I, we don't have any 2022 Corollas. Uh, no, Toyotas I, yet. I didn't think anybody did. I, I found online was parked near the front door. The first thing I noticed with the MSRP was not 4717. The MSRP was 45875. But there was an addendum that tacked on another $1,295 for reinstall superior car protection. $945, that's for the reinstall superior car protection. $350 for nitrogen in the tires. Oh. Uh, the, the dealer list, not the MSRP, was $47,170, although they indicated this was MSRP on their website. Clear violation of the rules. And the MSRP is sacrosanct. That's a Monroney label. It's, it's a federal law that the Monroney label has to be on the car and uh, fines, penalties, bad stuff happens if you don't put the Monroney label. And here they were advertising the Monroney label, which was not, it was a phony Monroney. And you can go to Rolling Cars and read my blog <laughs> a long time ago about the phony Monroney. I walked inside, greeted immediately by a salesperson who introduced himself as Clarence. He asked how he could help and I told him my next car was parked right outside the front door. I told him I was ready to buy a new Stinger. How can I, you, when you made your uh, typo, how did you repeat it? And he kept saying Stringer. Uh, I, you can't. I can't oh, really, word recognition. No, I can't honestly call okay. it as typo. I uh, started writing Stringer. And oh, I, okay. It was eleven thirty at night, <laughs> and then then Agent Agent texted me this morning. I tried a couple me. of dealerships <laughs> in Palm Beach County, but I was turned off by the sales games and the high fees. Clarence commiserated. Said he hears things like that all the time. He said stories like mine are what keeps this dealership busy. He asked for some basic info and my driver's license so I could get a key and a plate for the Stinger. He was gone for only a couple of time, a couple of minutes, but we returned and we took a short test drive. The drive was uneventful and consisted of all business. Parents doing a lot about the car, explained things in an easygoing way, like a cool high school teacher. Back at the dealership, he asked me if I had plan to pay cash, finance, or lease. I told him I was paying cash. He asked me if I'd like to see any payment estimates because they have some awesome rates as low as 0%. I said I'd be happy to take a look. I told him to assume a top-tier credit. Clarence uh, left for 18 minutes. Uh, this, she's just uh, very, very obsessive-compulsive. <laughs> then returned with, with two worksheets. One featured a finance option grid, with terms of 60, 66, and 72-month financing, with the rates as low as 0%, just like Clarence said. The second worksheet featured the cash option. The selling price was $5 over dealer list, $47,175 over dealer list. I mean, come on. Dealer list is enough. Then they added a whopping $953 in government fees. www.inkgonnahappen.com. There aren't. $953 in government fees, but that's what they called them. Then sales tax, on top of that, out the door, $51,230. I 
I pointed to the government fees and said, that seems like a lot. I asked Clarence, is this really the home of no dealer fees? And Clarence insisted that the fee was legit and not a dealer fee. He said it was for registration and title. Ain't gonna happen.com, not true. Now, it might not be called a dealer fee, but there's something else that's not a government yeah. fee that they're going to slap in there, probably, in the finance department. I would be amazed if it wasn't the private tag agency fee and yeah. electronic filing. Electronic, yeah, they call it something else. He asked me what I thought. I told him that I had a very uh, uh, easy experience that was much better than what I went through in West Palm Beach. And I told him I had never paid full list for a new vehicle before. Clarence said that... Given the inventory shortage and the fact this is a brand new 2022, can't get over that, uh, that just launched, the price was very reasonable. I said that I needed to get something to eat and think about it, and I asked Clarence how late he'd be working, he said he'd be there till 8 p.m. I said I would call him in a couple of hours and left. I called about an hour later to question him about the government fees. Third time, I said there was no way that a new tag agent a tag would be nearly $1,000. He insisted that the fee was for a new tag and title. He said it would probably be less than 953 but could not commit to what would actually come to. Here's the epilogue. The werewolves and cheap clothing, the home of the no dealership fees, projects the image of a sanctuary from predatory dealership practices as evidence as how they promote themselves online and by and by, by the way, the, sorry. by the way, you're, you're going to have to sober up when you do these things. I, I can't help it. Yeah, Clarence presented the sales pitch. All sorts of problems. However, right from the moment she saw the 2022 <laughs> Stinger <laughs> parked by the front door, Agent Lightning uncovered the usual tricks of the trade: misrepresentation, addendums, and the fee. I'm 99% sure that it wasn't government fee. So there we are. We're getting toward the end of the show, I think, and we have to do a vote and decide whether Hollywood Kia passes or fails. You go from A to an F. Let's hear some scores. Uh, they're coming in online. Jonathan Wellington says, I'll give Hollywood Kia an F, charging for the air in the tires, excessive dealership fees, and the phony Monroney is enough to keep away from this dealership. Uh, Mark gives them uh, an F for a phony Monroney. And back on Facebook, uh, we have a fat F from Linda, and Martha gives them an F as well. Um, it's a tough one for me because some of the stuff is, like you said, the average experience. That's what it feels like. Um, I don't like, uh, I think they, it's a, an additional sin to promote themselves of having no dealer fees. So now it's not, it goes beyond having a dealer fee. They're lying about having a dealer fee, in my opinion. If, if Josh is listening. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Bro Scientist with an F, uh, Tom Steckel with a C minus, uh, Mark Ryan with an F. Uh, Negan with an F minus, and myself, Ooh. I'm gonna give him the skin of the teeth pass with a D minus. I mean, you got to be on your balls, but you got you know really ready to fight him. But uh, uh, the nitro fill, yeah, oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Nancy. Well, first of all, I want to give recognition to our lady mystery shopper agent lightning what a phenomenal job she does and uh for well hollywood of uh i mean uh, excuse me uh the hollywood kia uh, i'm afraid i have to give them an f and uh, ladies and gentlemen do not let the car dealers dictate the game plan 
you can read that column at Erwan Cars. He has so many that are just unbelievably informative. Well, um, I'm going to give them a failing score once we have finally confirmed that um, the salesperson lied and that the government fees, uh, $973, were all uh, government fees. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt on uh, um, whatever he wants to, that they weren't dealer fees because they could be called something else. I got an idea. I can do a little calculation and see if that sales tax included it. Mm-hmm. If they charge sales tax on it, it's not a government fee. Well, that would be. But we'll yep. verify that. And mm-hmm. we will fail them and put them on the do not recommend list if, in fact, uh, they were. See, we can't really see the final the final conclusion until you're in the finance office. Too often the crime is committed in the finance office when you don't see into the paperwork. So when we shop, we don't go through the finance office, and I've often argued that we should do that from time to time. And when we do, we'd actually have to buy the car, and that's one of the reasons we don't do it. Then we'd have to turn around and sell the car and maybe take a loss. But we have to give them the benefit of the doubt, mainly because the son of the dealer is a lawyer, and he's a general counsel for Hollywood Kia. I'm only kidding. I mean, I, I have baited the tiger many times, and we're not afraid of being sued. We just don't get sued because we always tell the truth. We tease the tiger. We tease the tiger. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like they charge sales tax on the fee, but like you said, we'll, we'll get an actual to-the-penny estimate. Okay. And I've got Tim Gilliland with a D, Brian Sedleco with an F, Fibonacci with a D minus, and E.C. Olson with an F. Wow. Certainly a great report, and it's a, it's a challenge because uh, of the way the, the salesman looked uh, Agent Lightning in the eye and said three or four times, mm-hmm. these are government fees. Right. Although he did say it could be less than $973. Right. What, what, what it sounds like, and this is very common, because until you put in all the information, you can only give an estimate. So typically for a new tag, you know, we'll give an estimate for 250 but it might come in at 190 Very good point. Yeah. Very good point, and I think that sometimes they do it on purpose. Yeah, that they make it high because if it's not questioned, they can get away with it. Right. If it's questioned, they can say, "I told you we could come in lower, and we did." Exactly. Nancy, right. you got your your hand up. You have to go to the bathroom. I do. Okay, <laughs> I'll write you a pass. I got a hall pass oh, right here. A hall pass. Yeah. I love it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for tuning in to Earl on Cars, and uh, you do know you are an important part of the show every single Saturday. And to Agent Lightning, thank you again, uh, our lady mystery shopper. Uh, we are completely out of time. We'll see you right back here next Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Have a great weekend.